Good morning, City Light. Okay, all right. Well, we are uh, spending this fall in the book of Acts, and I love the book of Acts. Um, as I was uh, uh, getting ready this week, I was remembering uh, when I was a kid, I asked my pastor, why does the uh, book of the Bible have the name Acts? Did people chop down a lot of trees then? And he kind of laughed at me, and he said, no, it's Acts. It's the uh, uh, story, the record of the acts of the followers of Jesus as they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to start the early church. And I thought, well, that makes a whole lot more sense to me to be a title of a book of the Bible than AXX. Um, and so if you've ever wondered, how did the church get started? What did Jesus do to get it off the ground, to organize his people and send them out on mission? Then Acts is your book and you're in the right place because that's what we're going through this fall. Uh, and so we're in Acts chapter 3. The first three chapters of the book of Acts kind of set the stage for the rest of the book and what's going to happen there. Um, let me give you a quick rundown. In chapter number one, Jesus is alive and well, even though he was just crucified and buried dead. Uh, he's alive and well, resurrected from the grave. He appeared to over 500 people and over across 40 days, and then it was time for him to go back to heaven and sit on his throne, but before he left... He told his friends, his followers, hey, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And when he does, you'll, have, uh, you'll be my witnesses. You'll give eyewitness accounts to the whole world about what you've seen me do. So Acts chapter 1 is wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Well, then Acts chapter 2 kind of follows right on the heels of that, and Jesus keeps his promise. The Holy Spirit comes, and it wasn't just like a, a quick passing through. It's like the Holy Spirit came, and it sounded loud like a mighty rushing wind, and there were flaming tongues of fire, and the people there all started speaking in foreign languages, declaring the mighty works of God to everybody from everywhere that was there who might hear it. And because of that movement of the Spirit, uh, the, over 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in that one day. It was like an amazing, incredible, life-changing, history-altering uh, sort of experience in Acts chapter 2. And so Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Spirit came. Wait for the Holy Spirit, chapter 1. Then the Holy Spirit came in chapter 2. And then we come on chapter 3 where we are this morning, and in chapter 3 we see the church begin its spirit-empowered work. We get a picture of what new life in the spirit looks like. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see a detailed picture of what Jesus meant when he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that statement is going to be fulfilled through the rest of the book of Acts. And we get to see it start here in Acts chapter 3. So let's jump in. We start off with Peter and John headed to the temple to pray. Uh, so who are Peter and John? These guys were Jesus' friends. They had hung out with him while Jesus walked on this earth. They followed him. They watched him walk on water and calm the storm. They watched him feed thousands of people with one little boy's sack lunch. 
They had eaten with him, prayed with him, walked with him, talked with him, asked him their questions, listened to his answers. They saw him on the cross, and later they saw him laid in the grave, sealed with a stone. And then uh, just a few weeks before they were on this uh, walk to the temple to pray, they saw their friend Jesus risen again, um, caught up in a cloud, ascending back into heaven. They watched all of it. They'd seen Jesus with their own eyes. And so the point I want to make right here off the bat is that Peter and John had spent years looking at Jesus. They just looked at him, observed him, followed him for years, for a long time. And in Acts chapter 3, we get to see what happens when the Holy Spirit fills these guys who'd spent so long looking at Jesus. So remember the story. Peter and John are walking to the temple to pray. It's something they would have done most every day. And the Bible says that as they were walking there, um, there was a guy who was laid outside the temple gate, uh, one of the entrances, um, and he was born with some disability in his feet and ankles. And so people would carry him and lay him outside of the gate so that he could ask for alms, that's just like support, gifts to uh, get him through, um, He would do that every day. So how often did Peter and John go pray at the temple? Daily. How often was this guy laid outside the temple gates? Daily. And so how often did Peter and John walk past this guy and hear him ask for their help and their support? Every day. So this isn't just Peter and John, right? We've experienced stuff like this. Um, If you're a good Jesus person, then you've pulled off the interstate to get some Qdoba at some point in time. And as you pull off uh, on that exit, um, oftentimes you'll see a guy on the corner holding his sign, right? When you see that guy with that sign, what's the next move? What happens next? I don't know about you guys, but I start looking at traffic, oncoming traffic, and I kind of pray the light stays green and speed up a little bit so that I can get through the light. Because if it turns red, I stop right next to him, and then I got to look at him. And I just know he's going to ask me for something like Burger King and a bus pass or five bucks and a smoke or something like that. And then I just, I think, man, how much good could I really do if I give him five bucks and a smoke? You know, is that going to, I justify this. How much good could I do if I really see him? And so I just hope man, that the light stays green so I can just go past and not look at him. Anybody ever been in those shoes? Okay, hopefully it's not just me. Maybe it is. Pray for me, okay? I need it. Um, this is the truth. I, I don't think it's just you and me. This is what Peter and John did every day. These guys who spent years looking at Jesus walked past the guy lying at the gate every single day. Not this day, not in Acts chapter 3, not after the Holy Spirit had come and filled them and empowered them to do spirit-led ministry, not after the church had started. They, something different happened when the Spirit filled these guys. Something changed. They weren't the same. They had walked past this guy, uh, stepped over him, avoided him, ignored him every day, but on this day, he got their attention. They were walking to the temple to pray. Here's what the Bible says. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. 
And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. Right, you see what happened here? That man who'd spent every day just begging people to look at him, just asking people, pleading with people to see him, now he had two guys to say, look at us. That's a radical turnaround. That goes from him having to beg somebody to him being told, I see you, look at me. And so he looks up at Peter and John, expecting that they're going to answer his question, give him what he's asking for. And Peter says, I have no silver or gold. (laughs) You ever feel like that? Man, I do. I'm like, these guys are asking for stuff, and you're asking me for cash. I just want to say, look at me. Does it look like I got cash? I got a van full of kids, a haircut from last March. I live in Council Bluffs, for goodness sake, okay? If you wanted cash, you should have laid outside the gates in West Omaha. Those Huskers got it figured out. That's where the money is. Look at me. I don't have what you're asking for, right? You ever feel that way? Well, Peter and John, they could have said, look at me and all of the things that we lack. Look at me and see what we don't have. And maybe they'd done that before, but not this day. Something changed, and the guys who looked at Jesus for so long now looked as Jesus. The dude at the gate was asking for a Burger King and a bus pass, alms. Peter and John said, man, we don't have any of that stuff, but what we do have, we'll give it all to you. Here's how Peter said it in the Bible. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you know what happened right after they said rise up and walk? This guy actually stood up. Now imagine this, he's been uh, disabled since birth. He's never been able to stand on his own. So he stands up and he puts one foot in front of the other. And after that, he puts the other foot in front of the one and he starts walking for the first time in his life. And he thought, man, if I can do this, I got to test out these new feet and ankles, right? I'm not just going to stop here with walking. I'm not going to take it easy on these things. And so he goes from walking to jumping and leaping and praising God all throughout the temple. This guy was excited. He didn't get what he asked for. No Burger King, no bus pass, no silver or gold. But he did get what he didn't ask for. He got what he was created for, healing in his body and restoration in his soul. Jesus made him new. Anybody else excited about that? Jesus is healing somebody in body and soul. Friends, I want to tell you something about Jesus this morning. He is not out to make your day better. Jesus isn't looking just to get you by until tomorrow so that he can send you back out on your own to do it by yourself again the next day. Jesus isn't aimed at making you a better, more comfortable version of your broken self. Let me tell you something about Jesus this morning. He is out to make you new. The Bible tells us that. In, uh, Jesus himself said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Do you feel lost? Are you 
wondering or wondering, Jesus, how did I get here? What have I done? How did this get so messed up? How did I lose control? How did I get so far down a road I never intended to get on? How did I get so out of whack from what I had planned and thought my life would be? How did I get so broken and so messed up? How did I get here? Have you ever felt lost? Do you feel lost today? If you do, I want to tell you, today Jesus said he came looking for you, seeking you. And Jesus doesn't just want to make your day better. Jesus wants to give you a new purpose and a new passion, a new direction and a new king. He wants to make you new from the inside out. Jesus was asked one time why he spent so much time with broken people. And you know what he answered? He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do, right? Asking Jesus why he spent time with broken people is sort of like asking a doctor why he spent so much time with sick people. Because that's what I do. It's my job. It's who I am. I want to make people well. I want to help them heal. I want to make them new. That's who Jesus is. So I asked this morning, man, is your body broken Jesus healed a guy whose body had always been broken. Jesus is a healer. Is your heart broken? Is it cold and unable to open up to the people around you? Or is it hurt and just unable to heal from the wounds that you've experienced? Jesus sees you and he loves you. He is the one that softens hard hearts and bandages up the brokenhearted. Oh, friends. Jesus isn't trying to make you a better, more comfortable version of your broken self. Jesus came that he might make you new. That's good news, amen? Um, And so these guys who had spent years looking at Jesus, just observing and watching, the Holy Spirit came, filled them up, and then they started looking as Jesus. Jesus. They saw the world around them in a different light, and this guy gets miraculously healed, and he starts praising and jumping and leaping around the temple. Needless to say, the Bible tells us people took notice. They say, hey, that guy who couldn't walk before, he had to be carried in, now he's a guy who's jumping around. Normally, people who can't walk or stand also can't jump. This is different. It's not normal. We don't experience this every day. The Bible says that they were all filled with wonder and amazement. They, they were actually wondering. They saw what had happened, what Jesus did in this man, and they wondered, how did that happen? What's going on? They started questioning and looking for answers. And so I want to just tell you today, the miracle opened the door for a message. The sign pointed to a sermon. The wonder gave way to a word. Peter knew they were wondering, and so he stood up and spoke. And this is what he said. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we've made him walk? His name. By faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Miracle gave way for a message. In short, Peter says, why are you looking at us? Look at Jesus. Don't look at me. Look at Jesus. He's the healer and the strengthener, not me. Don't look at me. Look at them. I just want to make a point here. 
Peter didn't have to do that. These people that he's talking to, these are the same Jesus used Peter just a couple months before. Aren't you with Jesus? Jesus on the road to the cross, didn't you hang out with him? Shouldn't you be on that path with him too? They wanted to kill Peter. They hated him and what his Jesus stood for. Hey, Peter, aren't you with Jesus? And Peter denied him. Now these same people are looking at Peter in amazement. They're saying, hey, how did this happen? What power do you have? Now, instead of hating him and rejecting him, they want more of what he's got. They want to lift him up and give him glory. And you know what Peter did? He said, no, no, no. Why are you looking at us? Look at Jesus. Christian, if you're in this room today, I would ask you, does your life point people to Jesus? Do your words point people to Jesus? Do you see every gift you've been given, every way that you can serve your city, your neighborhood, your family, the people around you, all of your resources, every good gift God has given you, do you see it all as an opportunity to redirect glory to Jesus? Man, I, I got to confess, this is not easy. Not only is it not easy, it's, just, it's really hard because we're like glory sponges that live in a celebrity culture inside an it's all about me sort of world, right? Like, we're, I don't know about you, but I just love to have people look at me and lift me high. I love to get the credit and the praise and the win. I invent competitions that I know only I can win. Like, which pastor has the better beard? I beat Doug 24-7, 365. A soul patch can't compete with the real deal, right? This is why I do it. I love to get the win and the praise. Man, we are glory addicts. We love to point to ourselves. And so at our nature, we, we want to attract people's praise to our own self. And what we see in Acts chapter 3 is that the Holy Spirit changes us in our very nature. We see it when Peter says, hey, don't look at me, look at him. And so I want to give you a real example how we get, how it's just easy to slide into the glory sponge mode. Um, this last week, I got to sit in on a conference call uh, with some other pastors at young churches that are growing in the state of Iowa. Um, so it was a pretty cool conference call. They, they've been going for a while, and um, I just got invited to sit in. Uh, and so I got on this uh, video conference thing, and these guys are awesome. They're like high-caliber leaders, love Jesus. They're working hard to see Jesus lifted high in their communities. And uh, I, I just loved getting to hear from them, learn from them. And our conversation turned to the question, why is your church growing? They kind of build out on it. Yeah, I know Jesus is leading and the Holy Spirit is moving. Um, and what are you and your team doing to facilitate that growth? And so I started thinking, man, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. Um, I know we got a good worship team. Sarah's killing it today. Um, I know uh, Logan gets our media stuff right. We got a good uh, brand game. I'm thinking about our uh, city groups. Our city groups le leaders love people well. They're serving in the city week in and week out. I'm thinking about like whenever Doug preaches, 
it's a good sermon and it's kind of hit or miss when I'm up there, but you guys at least get every other, you know? And so I'm making this list in my head, getting ready to lay down some wisdom for these guys and try to impress them. And then just before I speak, it hits me like a ton of bricks. I was getting ready to steal the glory from Jesus. I was getting ready to pass over Jesus and what he's done and point to myself. Do you ever get there? See, like, it has to go the other way around. I never want to assume Jesus and draw glory to myself. I never want to assume the Holy Spirit and lift high the name City Light. We have to be a church that has it the other way around. I hope we're always a people that love giving glory to Jesus. When people ask, why is City Light growing? The answer is because Jesus is filling broken people with his spirit. And when he does that, amazing things happen. He's an incredible savior. He gets the glory. What are we doing? I don't know. I'm doing my best to mess it up. I like get up here each day and think, will they ever come back? Like, I, it's not me. I'm broken and we're broken and we got a savior who uses broken jars of clay to take his glory to a world that needs it. We give all the glory to Jesus. And I hope we're a people that do that. I hope when, we ask, when we're asked things like, uh, man, you must have worked really hard to get that promotion. I hope we respond with something like, oh man, Jesus has been good. He's given me favor. I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life, right? When people say, it must have taken a lot of strength to overcome that addiction. We say, yeah, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. I couldn't have done it on my own. I didn't have that strength myself, but, but Jesus gave it to me. I hope when they say, man, you're keeping such a positive outlook through some really hard times, I could never do that. If we say things like, yeah, I can't, I can't do it either. Actually, on my own, I, I'm hopeless. But with Jesus, he gives me hope for today and for forever. Jesus gets me through. Man, I hope we become a people who avoid this slide into glory sponge world where we just want to take it all for ourselves and forget Jesus. And we're always a people who stand in the place and say, no, 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 I'm going to take every opportunity to redirect any glory to the one who deserves it, Jesus Christ. Listen, City Light, these people who looked at Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit so that they could see the world around them as Jesus, and when they did that, they just pointed everybody at every opportunity, look to Jesus. I want to get practical here for a minute, because look to Jesus can sound a little bit um, confusing, like a little bit abstract. How do I do that? What would that look like? It sounds good, but how does that impact me when I'm sitting on the couch later? Um, I want to get practical here for a minute. Because Peter's very clear. Jesus isn't just a good role model. Jesus isn't the standard that we need to reach. Jesus isn't just a teacher that helps us learn all the rules that we ought to follow. Jesus is the Savior who takes away our sins so that we might be made right with God through him. Look at what Peter says. He said, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. What does it look like to look to Jesus? Repent, turn back, and your sins are blotted out. Looking to Jesus looks like repentance. 
So repentance, it just, that starts with admitting you're a sinner. It starts with just honoring the truth as the truth, saying it how it is, getting honest with God. If you're going to admit you're a sinner, you might say things like this. I mean, I've, I've messed up. I've rejected you, Jesus, the good and right plan that you have for my life. I've searched for all sorts of other things to live for, to worship, and to take your rightful place as my king. I'm a rebel sinner. Admitting it is where repentance starts. And then once we admit our sin, we turn back. That's the language that uh, that Peter uses. We turn back. It's like we were on a direction towards sin and we do an about face. We turn around a 180. It's a a total reorientation of our life from sin to Jesus. We turn. So we admit that we're a sinner and then we turn and look at the Savior honoring who he is and what he's done for us. Do you know what he's done? He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live and then died the death we should have died. What that means is we did not live the kind of life that it takes to be in relationship with God. We could not do it. We're sinners. Yet Jesus did it. He lived the perfect life. That means at the end of life, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The lifestyle that you and I have led as sinners means we deserve death. We do. Jesus did not sin, so he did not just, he lived a life. You see where this is going? Who died on the cross? It was Jesus. He lived a life we couldn't live and died the death we should have died. He took on all of the punishment for our sins, and he gives us all of the reward for his obedience. It's a one-sided exchange. So we, we look to our sin and we just say, yeah, we're sinners. And then we turn around and we say, because we're sinners, we need a savior. Jesus, that's you. And when we do that, we're free. We're set free from living for our own glory because we can see and recognize Jesus gets the glory. My life was headed for death and he gave me life. He deserves the glory, not me. I'm gonna tell you this. Peter says that when we do that, turning. When we admit we're a sinner and we turn to the Savior, something beautiful happens. He says our sins are blotted out. Now that's not language that we use here very often in today's world. When I first read it, I thought, man, that sounds a lot like what happens whenever the Hawkeyes play the Huskers. They just, I would just blot them out, right? It's like 123 to 47 in the last three years or something like that. But who's keeping score? Um, I thought that's what blotted out meant. That's not what it means. Uh, you don't bat a thousand all the time. Uh, so blotted out. It means when uh, this book was written, when Peter was saying these words, um, paper was not a cheap commodity like it is today. Uh, you don't just uh, crumple it up and throw it away. It was very valuable. And so if a contract was written on a piece of paper um, with its terms, and conditions, when those terms and conditions were fulfilled, they would not just crumple up that paper and throw it away like we might today. They couldn't just file it in a folder in a cabinet somewhere not to be looked at for decades. Um, They couldn't do that. Paper was too valuable. And so if there was a contract written on a piece of parchment or paper or whatever back then, uh, when the terms and conditions were fulfilled, then they would literally blot the ink off the paper. They would wipe it clean, cleansing that paper, making it ready 
for a new purpose, a new contract with new terms and conditions. The old way was blotted out to make way for something new. And see, like, that's what Peter says happens when you turn from your sin to Jesus, when we repent and believe he blots out our sin. And so the picture is, City Light, we each have a paper that has a record of everything that we've done. And Jesus blotted it out. Everything that was written on us, all of the guilt that we carry for the ways that we've hurt people, all of the shame that we carry for the ways that we've been hurt, all of the compromises that we've made, all of the things that we wish we could erase, all the baggage that we wish we could let go of, all of the ways that we've lived for our own glory instead of God, Jesus blots it all out. He makes way, uh, he, he, he erases the old contract and makes way for a new one and I just got to believe there's somebody in here today that says, that's not for me. Jesus couldn't forgive me. Pastor, you don't know where I've been or what I've done. The ink stains on my page run all the way through. The dirt on me goes deep and it don't wash off. That's not for me. And if you're thinking that today, if you're here thinking Jesus sounds good, but he's for somebody else, not for me, I want you to see the people that Peter was talking to. The people that first heard this message that Peter preached. This is what he said to them. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. You know what Peter's saying? He's saying that the first people that he told repent and turn back that your sins will be blotted out. The first people that heard this message were the very same people that stood in the court when Jesus was on trial. And those were the people that shouted, crucify him, when he was wrongfully accused. And after they shouted that, the judge tried to make a way. He said, no, no, I can release Jesus to you. I release somebody every year. Do you want Jesus? Should I let him go? And you know what those people said? No, kill that guy. We want the murderer. You, we want you to let the killer go. Do you see the state of their hearts? They said, we would rather have you crucify the innocent author of life, the one who came that we might have life. We want him dead and we want uh, to keep the man alive who came to take our lives and kill us. The one who's killing us, keep him alive, and the one who's saving us, kill him. You see what they did? If, if Jesus could forgive and blot out the sins of the very people who commanded and demanded and executed a sentence of crucifixion on him, he can forgive you too. He can blot out any stain There is no dirt deep enough. There is no sin dark enough that Jesus' hand is too short to reach down and save. Oh, friend, if you think Jesus is not for you here today, he came for you. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to heal the broken. It's who he is. Repent and turn to him Find a savior. Look to Jesus. The message is for everybody in here and everybody out there. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to make you new. That's good news. Amen. 
I want to close today with just a few encouragements. A few ways to take Acts chapter 3 out of just the seats on Sunday and into um, our couches this afternoon. First, if you're a Christian and you have turned to Jesus, I want you to know the same spirit that lived in Peter and John lives in you. That means you have everything you need to see the world the way that Jesus sees it, to see as Jesus. We don't have to sit here and look at Jesus anymore in, at, from a distance, wondering who he is or what he's about. You've been given everything you need to be filled with the same spirit Peter and John had and see the world as Jesus sees it. We can know him. And so I ask you today, if that's true, are you living in light of that? Are you seeing the world as Jesus sees it? If so, what opportunities are there in your life where you need to see somebody instead of step past them. See, like, how can we see the world as Jesus sees it? And maybe I would say it this way. Peter and John were just in their normal routine, headed to pray at the temple, and the Spirit interrupted them with an opportunity for ministry, for mission. Have you given the Spirit permission in your life to interrupt your schedule so that you can live on mission? And see, like, the same spirit that was in Peter and John lives in you. The same one. And so we can live empowered by the Holy Spirit the same way these guys did in the book of Acts. That's good news. Are you living by the Holy Spirit, seeing the world as Jesus did? Number one. Number two, are you looking to Jesus? I just want to reckon with the truth. There are people who come in here every week that have never looked to Jesus as their Savior. They've never turned around from the direction that they've been on in life to see Jesus as their Savior, the one who can make them new and set them free. Is that you today? If it is, I want you to know Jesus is calling you to repent and turn so that your sins can be blotted out. And if that sounds good to you, don't wait another minute or another moment. Follow the call. Answer the call, listen to his voice and respond. Jesus is ready to make you new today. Don't wait, look to Jesus. Finally, um, I don't think we could move on from Acts chapter three without just dealing with the fact that we read about a guy who actually got healed. He was born with disability in his feet and ankles and by the end of the chapter, he's jumping around the temple. A guy got healed. And so I just want to say, if God is unchanging, if he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and the same spirit lives in us that lived in them, then since God could and did heal people back then, he can and does heal people today. So I, I want to tread carefully here. Listen, God's in control. And so when we ask, sometimes he says, not yet. Sometimes he says, yes, but it's our joy to pray and ask, God, would you heal us? Whether it's your body that's broken or your heart that's broken or your spirit that's broken, God is a healer. And so it's our joy to get to pray and ask him to make us well. And then we just leave the answer in his hands. Sometimes he does right away and sometimes he doesn't right away, but it's our joy to ask. And so this morning, I do just want to take an opportunity. If you want prayer for uh, brokenness in your body or your heart or your soul, there will be people in the back after this that uh, would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for that. I'll give you more instructions um, in just a moment. 
I want to close this way. See, like the early church started when the Holy Spirit empowered God's people to see the world around them as Jesus did. As we continue through the book of Acts, we're going to see all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders, and every one of them will point to the message. Look to Jesus, repent and turn to him, and your sins will be blotted out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, great and awesome God, I thank you for the way that you move. Uh, God, I thank you that you didn't um, send your son to walk this earth and then go back to heaven and leave us all alone. Um, but you, uh, you sent your son who walked this earth and went back to heaven and then poured out your spirit. And God, that same spirit lives in us today when we turn to you. And so God, I just ask, man, would you, um, would you lead us by your spirit? Would you make us a church that, that doesn't attempt or pretend that we can do this on our own? And by this, I just mean get through life, uh, that we can get through the day, the week, that we can honor you, that we can uh, take the next step. God, we can't do it ourselves. We need you. God, would you lead us by your spirit? You've done amazing things here already. Um, God, you've multiplied disciples. You've planted churches. We long to see more of that happen. And it will only happen if you continue to give us your spirit to lead us, guide us, and do the work in us and through us. So God, we ask for more of that. And I also just pray for the people who've never experienced that. The joy of the Lord, the power of the spirit in their lives, the comfort of knowing um, that you've saved them from death to life. God, if there are people in this room today who are wandering and wandering, who feel lost or broken, um, God, I pray that you'd speak to them clearly and call them to you. God, if you're tugging at somebody's heart right now, would you give them the courage to turn to you? See, I've I've searched all over for all kinds of other uh, things that could save me, things that could make right all the things that are wrong in my life. It hasn't worked. Give them the courage, God, to say, I'm gonna turn to you. Would you do in me what you did in Acts chapter 3, what you've done, and all these people are sitting here who praise you. God, I want to do that now. God, would you give somebody the courage to turn to you even today? God, we pray that that story is one that's written time and time again here in this room, and it's written time and time again for people who are outside these walls and outside these doors. Jesus, would you continue to multiply disciples and churches because your spirit is on the move through broken people like us. God, for your glory and our good, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.